Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. You talk, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The top, he's got 15, he fires a three, nailed it! Ooh. Man, he is throwing the leather at a hula hoop right now. 18 for Donovan, four of five from three, he's got seven assists. Yeah, so Jazz are on a 10-1 run and lead it by 21. All four of those threes coming in this quarter. Donovan, rise and fire, two for one, three hits. Oh my goodness gracious. Oh my goodness, he is just in a different place, in a different time. He just sees everything right now, it is just easy for him. 21 points here in this quarter. quarter. Wow. So the Jazz win it, one 104-105. Game three, two o'clock Mountain Time on Friday. Hey Jamal, what were those uh, adjustments that, um, that that you could tell that Utah made in this game? That was your job. <laughs> <laughs> it's your job. You tell me. No, no, no. That's, that's, that's your job. <laughs> Ooh, a little awkward there. Uh, all right, the Jazz get a win yesterday, Gordon in grand fashion, a dominating fashion, and uh, the series is now split at one game apiece. You know, this is the uniqueness of this circumstance where there's no, you know, return home. Can you imagine if this were a normal series and you grab one on the road in Denver, coming back to, to Vivint Arena in that environment, you know, a chance to really build some some momentum. And now maybe that opportunity to build some momentum is the return uh, of Mike Conley, who's expected to be a go uh, for game number three coming up tomorrow. And if, you know, uh, he's going to be back in that starting lineup and back producing. And um, I was Hanson Scotty talked a little bit today about a sentiment out there, how that could be a negative. And I just think that that is just madness. I mean, getting a player into the rotation, the caliber of Mike Conley can do nothing but good. So I, I think maybe they can get that bump that they'd get coming home off getting Mike Conley back into the lineup. Who said it would be a negative? I don't know. They were talking about a narrative that, that was out there of, you know, they played so well in game two. Would he fit back in in game three? And should he start? And I'm not saying either one of those guys was, was arguing that because uh, uh, they weren't. Uh, but uh, apparently, and and maybe this is an online thing, the social media, uh, Gordon, but some sentiment that, oh, is he, you know, do you bring him off the bench or, or whatnot? And it, it just seems crazy to me. I mean, Mike's been playing so well in the, in the bubble. Uh, the best basketball he's played really all year, I think. Uh, he's he's definitely going to be a benefit and a boost uh, in game number three and something that at very least, Gordon, the Nuggets are going to have to game plan for. So let me ask the question and just just kind of boil it down to this. Who's the better player? Mike Conley's the better player. So you play him. I mean, that just seems absurd to me. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And I think he's going to start. It, it does change a little bit um, because they get a lot smaller with him in the in the starting lineup, and, and it might alter the way that they play defense. I mean, we saw Juwan Morgan say, take some possessions on Nikola Jokic, which proved to be quite useful. And, um, you know, it'll it'll change the rotation. But the I guess the point where I, I certainly will agree with you, Gordon, is the Jazz right now have basically six solid NBA rotational guys. And then the rest of the roster is is guys that can fill roles and that could have uh, productive NBA careers as they develop. But right now, you know, there's some undrafted guys and some just signed and some some G League guys, and it's tough. So if you get back a player who's not only a rotational player in the NBA, but somebody who's been an elite player in the NBA for a long, long time, I mean, the depth depth is a big issue for the Jazz, and even getting one player deeper is a big deal. Yeah, I mean, you can still utilize Juwan Morgan if you want to bring him in and put him, uh, have him add to the success. Uh, go ahead and do that. But uh, I don't think you say, you know, Mike Conley, you know, I know you're 
you're a little undersized, so we're not going to uh, utilize you, uh, even though you've been a valuable part of the Jazz's better play of late. Now, I, I don't have any problem with bringing him back and allowing him to do his thing and utilize what you have. I mean, like I said, John Morgan, I thought that was interesting, and I imagine that, Jake, you've probably noticed it and uh, highlighted it too, that Jawan Morgan on some possessions was on Jokic. And how do you think that turned out? Well, I that's what I was saying just uh, just a moment ago, that I, I think they were productive possessions, that he was yeah. able to change uh, what the Jazz do defensively, even to give Rudy a chance to be off the ball on Nikola Jokic. I mean, that changes the way that things uh, are done. So so would you do that? that? Would you continue to do that? Would you See, I, 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 I say utilize that as a tool when you feel like it's helpful without overreacting. Uh, yeah, I think so. But, I mean, Morgan's minutes are going to be diminished. So I, I'm not sure exactly how much he's going to play. And this is some of the arguments that people are, are making with Conley's return because he's going to play 30 minutes at very well, I don't know how many minutes. He, okay, that's for Quinn Snyder to decide. But to say that he shouldn't start or that there's some sort of problem there, I, I, I object to that. Uh, if you discover, like you just said, Jake, the Jazz don't have that much depth. And if you've developed a player who you think can help that you can utilize over certain periods of time, then, yeah, go ahead and do that. And if it costs, say, you know, if it costs Mike Conley a, a few minutes or something, I, I got no problem there. But not, uh, I'm not buying into, okay, uh, you won a game by starting Jawan Morgan, so now keep him in the starting lineup. That's That's not the way... I think Quinn Snyder will think, or I don't think that's the way most NBA gurus think. No, I, I agree with you. I think if Juwan Morgan continues to play, I think his minutes will come at the expense of somebody like George Niang. Uh-huh, yeah. Not necessarily Mike Conley. And George yeah. Niang played 21 minutes yesterday. So, Or or even Tony Bradley, just depending on what, uh, what lineup you want to go. But make no mistake, Mike Conley's coming back, and he's going to play 30-plus minutes. I wanted to because get your he's, thoughts. Because he, he needs to play 30-plus minutes. Yeah, I, I I wanted to get your thoughts on, and you and I talked about this a little bit post game, but uh, Mike Malone, his reaction when he was asked about uh, I don't know exactly how the question was phrased, but essentially, uh, let's see, credit was given was given to the Jazz for their putting up a really good effort, and Mike Malone bristled at that a little bit and uh, did not like that line of thinking. I found that interesting because sometimes the other guys play well. The Jazz played great, and he didn't seem to be willing. I mean, he, he sort of admitted it, but didn't certainly didn't want to underscore that point with his own players. And maybe that's what a coach does. What are you supposed to say? Hey, fellas, they're better than we are. No, you can't do that. you got to blame it on yourself and say, hey, you can do better, and here's how. So maybe that's what he was getting at. But I thought his reaction, immediate reaction, was interesting. Well, he's probably a little bummed that his game plan didn't work. I mean, you get taken apart by Donovan Mitchell one-on-one in, in game number one and still come out with a victory. And Mike Malone said, oh, okay, we don't, we can't let that happen again. Uh-huh. And so they decide to, to double Donovan Mitchell often or, or certainly play him more ag- aggressively to get the ball out of his hands. And uh, he still gets 30 points. Uh, he gets eight assists, and your team was beaten in the third quarter. So I bet he was a little bummed out that, 
that his adjustment to game number one was not really effective. And, and by the way, give Donovan Mitchell a ton of credit for that. It's what yeah. make elite. It's what makes great players elite. Is the other team is really good and they'll game plan to stop you because it's really embarrassing giving up 57 points to a player, the third highest scoring playoff output in history. You know, you go, okay, well, what are we going to do to stop that? And what they did didn't work. I mean, maybe Donovan didn't score 57, but he still got 30, and you were down by you were down by 31 at one point in the third quarter. And it was over. And he may, and he may have been more effective this time than he was with a big point total. Which, right. Uh, so I imagine I, is somewhat I mean, disheartening. I would imagine that Mike Malone's a little bummed that his you know game plan, what he came up to came up with to win the game, was ineffective. So I mean, I'm sure you know in losses, don't we all you know look internally? I, I would imagine that's what he was doing because he's got to do a better job coaching. Yeah. And, well, is that unfair? He, I mean, just no, like Quinn no, Snyder needed what, to do a better. That's what the coach has to do. Right, like I said, but I mean, he doesn't have to quite phrase it the way he did. It was, that was pretty, that was pretty direct the way he said it. And I don't have the quote in front of me, but you know the one I'm referring to. But uh, you know, they were they were going after Donovan, like you said, and I think we made the analogy yesterday in the post game of a of a, a seasoned quarterback, a smart quarterback who sees the blitz coming, and so what does he do? He puts the ball somewhere else where it can be effective. And that's why really good quarterbacks are so hard to to mess up when you blitz them because they read and recognize. And that's what Donovan was doing in that game. Uh, to give a plug for the Joe Ingles show this morning with with DJ and PK, always worth a worth a listen. And Joe, you know, Joe is fairly forthcoming about uh, certain things uh, that are going on. And every once in a while, you'll, you'll get a little, you know, a uh, couple of really, really insightful nuggets. I don't want to make it sound like it's few and far between because it's all good. But today I, I noticed a little one where he, he talked about an interaction that he had with Donovan. And I, I'm not sure at what point it was uh, during the game, but he basically told Donovan to be like, hey, you know, go out there and play your game. Don't force it. You know, uh, if if you're being double teamed, that means there's a two on one somewhere else on the floor. So back it out and find it. And so I, I thought that was a kind of uh, an inside look about an interesting teammate moment, because that's exactly what Donovan Mitchell did. Not to give all the credit to, to Joe was Ingles. Advice, the, was but taking the credit for Donovan's brilliance. I don't think so. I think it was more he, he was, you know, I I think he was more trying to talk about how Donovan is as a teammate almost. And he talked to also other points in the interview about how much film Donovan watches and that's how he learns. And, um, and he's a, he's a, he's a good teammate. He's a coachable player. He's somebody. And, and this says something about Joe Ingles cloud on the team too, that Joe can feel free to grab the star player and get in his ear and say, Hey, don't force it. Look for this. And this is going to work out. And for Donovan to go, yep, you're right. Let's do it. But see, I, I mean, I think it says something I, about both of them. But I don't think he was forcing it. I thought he came out the exact opposite of that and was feeling out the game and looking for his teammates early on. I mean, he may have. Well, that's why. Well, that's why I told you I don't know at what point in yeah. in the game that Joe Ingles said yeah. that. And and another thing, you know, your Joe was there. I'm just relaying what yeah. what he said. Yeah. So well, whatever. I mean, yeah. Whether whether you come up with the idea yourself, it's kind of like when we do the show, and I'm constantly giving you really good ideas. I don't care whether you get the credit or not. You know. Yep, that's exactly what happens. It is true. Good point. Or vice versa. You know, <laughs> when you give me all this brilliance, I, you know, you don't care. Hey, wait, that was my idea. No, it doesn't really matter as long as you can execute it. Now you're just placating me. No, no, not at all. No, no. <laughs> he he sheepishly don't. says. You know, I, I mean, I, let me give both of those guys credit because both of them are really, really good yesterday. 
Uh, Joe's effect on the game was absolutely fantastic. I think we were talking about the plus minuses. Wasn't he like plus 25 or plus 30 or something like that? Joe Ingles yesterday was plus 31. Yeah. And uh, Donovan was plus 20-something. They they came together to form exactly what needed to be done against a team. So it's one thing to read and recognize. It's one thing to understand what you need to do. It's another to do all of that and then execute it the way it needs to be done so that you win the game. And that's what the Jazz did. And in some ways, it looked to me like they they, they took the heart out of the, the Nuggets a little bit. I'm not saying that they're, that they're weak in that way, but I think somebody over in Denver was saying that that it's not uncommon for a team to go out and win a first game and then get sort of full of themselves a little bit and lose the second game. I don't know if that's true in an overtime victory in game one. It's not like that was uh, any kind of cakewalk. But uh, we've watched enough playoff basketball through the years, Jake, to know that these things really ebb and flow in a major way. And just because it happened in the last game doesn't mean it's going to happen in the next game. And again, that's a thing that I'm impressed with, with both Joe and Donovan, that they both know that. They're fully aware of it. And uh, you heard them talk after the game yesterday where they were saying, hey, man, it's like Quinn. That's one game. We got uh, we got a bunch more to take care of. Uh, Gordon, uh, let's talk a little bit more about the Jazz. Let's talk about uh, uh, your column up in the uh, Salt Lake Tribune, sltrib.com, talking about Donovan Mitchell. And I know this is a conversation we've had on the show before, but reset uh, what's going on in your column and uh, your points uh, coming across about Donovan Mitchell. Yes, he uh, he set three goals for himself. At least uh, he had probably had other goals too, but these are three that he he told me. The first was seeing the floor better. The second was becoming more efficient. And the third was getting to the free throw line more often. And he is (laughs) accomplishing that and then some in the playoffs thus far. And based on the way he's doing it, Jake, the question is, can he do it consistently? Is this Donovan? Is this the truth with him? Or is he just feeling it right now? He's in the zone and it's going to fade away. I, I don't know the answer to that question, but certainly the way he is handling his business seems to be exuded out of a, a sense of a, a comfort zone, a, uh, a, a understanding of the game. Uh, we talked about it with his discussion with Joe. He seems to be putting all the pieces together, and that's uh, putting him in a place where he can be uh, his best. And it, doggone, if a guy sets a goal and then works his tail off and studies film to uh, realize that goal, then good for him. I think you know what you what you're talking about. You know, Donovan's hot right now. He's he's. I mean, he's scored Gordon what 87 points in yeah. the last two playoff games. I mean, no doubt about it. The guy. What happened yesterday? Where in the third quarter he just decided like, okay, I'm going to put this game away. I'm going to yeah. end this game in the third quarter. We're all going to get some rest in the fourth. And he just went out there and and did it. It was nothing short of remarkable. Of course, we we've talked uh, a lot about the 57 point performance. So don't get me wrong. Donovan Mitchell is is, is hot right now, but. Donovan, to, to kind of answer the, the question I think you're looking for, is his career arc has been steady improvement. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe some folks like, uh, I don't know, my co-host predicting him scoring 28 points a game. We're, we're maybe a little ahead of, of said curve, just a tad. I think I said I, 26, didn't I, Austin? Isn't that what I predicted? 26 was the bet. You started at 28 and came down. But no, yeah. they, uh, I bring that up in jest. I, I think his his career arc, I mean, is is – 
his constant improvement, I think, has defined his career so far. And I think we're seeing that culminate now with what he's doing in the playoffs while he's feeling it in a unique circumstance. You know, all those things apply. But I think you, 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 you've really seen Donovan improve. And again, going back to what Joe Ingles said, you know, how much Donovan watches film, uh, how coachable he's been with Gwen Snyder. I mean, it's it's it seems like it's the player that he is because he's got you know he's got some aspirations you can tell he doesn't hate having his own shoe with adidas i mean he changes them uh, every quarter i think uh you know he doesn't hate uh, going to the all-star game and and uh you know be consi- being considered one of the up and coming rising stars in the nba i'm sure he loves all that and he has go he knows how that continues is with him winning big time basketball games and that's kind of always been his attitude right so i mean whether this is this level of play is going to somehow disappear at some point i don't think so you know maybe he doesn't score 87 points in two playoff games forever but i think this is this is who he is yeah he's so far in these first two games he's shooting 62 percent 54.5 from deep and he's made he's taken and he's made 17 free throws i mean right which which that is not which that is not sustainable Obviously, yeah. so but, but, but I, I think it, the the way he has the team playing, I think that is sustainable, right? And his overall bearing on the court, uh, you get a sense from him that he knows what he intends to do, and he's doing it, and that breeds confidence, and I, I think it breeds confidence within himself and also within his teammates. I've written probably three straight columns, uh, sort of singing the praises of Donovan Mitchell, and I'm uncomfortable doing that, but I don't know. So oftentimes. Uh, Jake, it's like when we talk during the week about what we want to, the subjects we want to hit on the show. Well, we always say, let's let's tap the nerve of uh, of what our listeners are thinking about. And this this is the obvious story in this playoff series so far. So what happens next? Well, we'll see if he can continue on. Like you said, he's not going to keep shooting 62% or 61.7, whatever it is. But he is, He I think he can fully uh, be consistent with the overall attitude, his uh, intelligence on the court, which Quinn Snyder has brought up a couple of times, and uh, and and the overall effect he has on his team. That unless remember those games, he'd have a game every once in a while where he'd go like four of seventeen. Yep, I mean he wasn't a, he wasn't Trey Burke. Uh, no, he was like one of twenty-one or something that one that one game, but, the no shame game, as I like to call it. I think they were but, playing down. Da- no, Minnesota. No shame. What, what did he go in that game? I'd have to. I'd have to look it back up. It was something <laughs> like one of twenty-one. It was. It was a franchise record, not in a good way. Well, he's gonna he's gonna have some undulation in his performances, but I think what we're seeing right now is fully within his grasp, uh, even if it isn't quite at this uh, ridiculously high efficient rate. But uh, he's this. This is Donovan knows it's the playoffs. He's very intelligent. He's thought these things through. He knows this is where individual players and teams make their names. And he's made some mistakes in the past in the playoffs. We saw what happened with him against Houston last year. And Houston's strategy was very effective against him. I don't think that would work anywhere near as as uh, as well this time around. I th- he seems much more savvy than he was because he's he's lived and learned. Gordon, uh, you threw out um, uh, the, what a homework assignment into the into thin air yesterday on the show, and uh, luckily our friend Tyson Ewing was listening. He does stats for the TV broadcast, does stats for Bowler, and uh, you were talking about how good the Jazz are when they get. I can't remember what what the what was the standard that you threw out there, Gordon. I think we put it at, we put it at twenty five somewhere between twenty five and thirty, something like that. 
So here's Tyson, uh, came back with uh, some great info for us. All right, during the Donovan Mitchell era, Gordon, the Utah Jazz are 67-11, and 11, a winning percentage of .859 when they get 26 assi- or more assists, including oh. the playoffs. They are 33-6, and six, a winning percentage of .846 when they get 30 or, 30 or more assists, including playoffs. So oh. that's pretty well, good. Well, it suggests two things, obviously, that – the ball is moving, and the guys are hitting shots. Because sometimes you can you can set a player up perfectly, but if he doesn't make the shot, then guess you know I mean doesn't doesn't do you any good. Yeah. So, but that's those are impressive stats, man. That's if the Jazz can shoot it, and they do what's necessary in order to get those good looks, they're tough to beat. Our friend Tyson goes on, Gordon. More specifically, mm. this year. If uh, games they have uh, 26 or more assists, they are 13 and three uh, for a winning percentage of 0.813. If they've had 30 or more, Gordon, five and one. Their only loss is the uh, double overtime in the bubble earlier. What uh, what was that last week? Huh, I'll be. And then Donovan, let's uh, let's go. He goes further. When Donovan Mitchell has six assists or more in a game, the Utah Jazz are 46 and 15, a winning percentage of .754. This year alone, when he has six assists or more, they're 16 and five. Well, that's that pretty much tells the tale, doesn't it? Well, it says that they're they're when the ball's moving, when the ball's popping, as they say, Gordon. Uh, things are are happening well for for the Utah Jazz, but that's probably a good uh, reason a good reason why they're or a good thing why they're not playing the Houston Rockets because that's what the Houston Rockets do so effectively against the Jazz. They limit that ball movement and those assists, and with their switching defense, they they really force you to go one on one. Denver not that way, and maybe we're seeing why they're getting some more high assist numbers. Although they only had what 18 in game number one, so changed the way they played a little bit in game two. So, do you think Denver is capable of playing that kind of defense, or is it is is it too late in the game for that to be messed with at this point? Oh, I think they'll try some different things. Um, now, how the Jazz adjust to that, or what they're actually capable of doing, is, is you know a couple of different stories. I mean, the fact that they're missing Gary Harris and Will Barton is a big deal to Denver. Not only are they both talented offensive players, but they're both decent defenders. So without those two in the lineup, it makes it a little bit different. I mean, let's just talk about Michael Porter Jr. for a second. He is a, you know, a, maybe a special player offensively. He's a liability defensively. Yeah, so, it's like you know, we talked you, about yesterday. Will his offensive totals make up for that liability at the other end? And in some ways it did yesterday. Yes, yeah, in, in some ways it did. He had, a, he had a good game offensively. But you also see, you know, they're attacking him big time. Uh, on defense, and uh, they're they're going to continue to do that. But who else is Denver going to play? That's the predicament that they're in, is that they've, you know, without those two, two of their major rotational players, not superstars, but major rotational players, they have to adjust too. And that means more minutes for Michael Porter Jr., which can be good or bad as, as we've been talking about it. So, you know, how good a defensive team are they capable of being? That's an interesting question because they were 16th throughout the regular season. But without those two other guys, I think that significantly impacts what they're able to do on defense. We've seen it. Jamal Murray is, is not going to guard anybody. Right. And or their at defense, least not shut anybody their, down. Their defense against a three-point shot in, has been abysmal in the bubble. And uh, that's something that uh, Malone talked quite a bit about. The worst, in fact, in yeah. the bubble. Yeah. And since so, that is exactly what the Jazz are trying to accomplish – and when they do, hitting 23s yesterday, uh, that's a big problem for the Nuggets, uh, no matter how talented they are offensively. Right. 
And so that, you know, that puts a lot of pressure on if, if they're going to outscore the Jazz because, you know, they could be built to do that. You know, we'll, we'll see. But that's where the three-pointers come in for the Utah, for the Jazz. If they're hitting their threes, it makes them a lot more formidable, and especially if they go 20 of 44, 45.5%. And that's probably a, a little bit misleading too because it's higher than that, I would guess, because some of those young guys in the fourth quarter came in bombing away yeah. and, and it, uh, it didn't go as well. Yeah. In fact, well, you remember that one possession yesterday where they got at least three offensive rebounds and <laughs> clanked at least four three-pointers, I think, on one possession? <laughs> but it underscores what we talked about earlier with Donovan Mitchell. It applies to everybody, that when the ball is is getting to the right place at the right time, you obviously increase your chances of, of making a shot in rhythm. And when, you're, and when you're stressing that to begin with, which Quinn Snyder is doing, with this particular team. I mean, they're not the Rockets putting up 61 threes in a game, but that's what they want to do. They want to put up a bunch. And if the ball is moving the way it should, then, you know, I mean, I, I have never done a complete study on threes taken off the dribble versus catch and shoot threes, but I have to assume the latter is much more efficient. Wait a minute. Are you trying to give Tyson another homework assignment? <laughs> He's good. Is that He's what good. you just did? I, I love it how you like to throw these things out into the air. Like, wouldn't it be wonderful to know? And then uh, <laughs> folks like Tyson go to work for you. Uh, good for him. <laughs> good for him. <laughs> so good Gordon has out another homework assignment. More big show straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone.